Uh, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. What a great day we got today. Hey, that's a Perspectives is a class that we think is valuable to the believers uh, in this room. If you're looking for a place to kind of figure out what's next, what's the Lord kind of stirring up in my heart, where can I take my passions and serve him, Perspectives is a great course to kind of equip you in that. And so there's another round of that beginning in January over in Bern at a church called First Missionary. If that's something that's interesting to you, a guy named Dave Smith or Christy or Doug Gerber or somebody you want to talk to today. It's great to be together today. Such a privilege and honor to share a, a day like this where we're going to be celebrating what the Lord has done in the lives of people. And we get to gather together and celebrate that. And then we get to eat some good food and talk to one another. Uh, what a blessing that is. Uh, one of the things that we want to start doing here is, is to create a rhythm in which we celebrate things that are happening inside of this church. Because look, there's lots of things that we need to celebrate. And let's be honest, life's hard. And if we're not celebrating things and not being excited about things, it can make for things to be really dull. And so two things that I just want to mention to you today that we want to give gratitude to the Father, we're going to celebrate each other in, is like, uh, I was talking to Betsy this week, and she said, like, we've had more kids sign up for our children's program for our Christmas Eve service than I can even remember. So we've got tons of kids that have signed up for our Christmas Eve service, and they're going to do great, so that's on Christmas Eve in the morning, we're going to do our children's program then, uh, so we're excited about that, good things happening in our children's ministry, and then the second thing I want to celebrate is, is our Angel Tree ministry. We partner with uh, a ministry called the Angel Tree. Maybe you walked into the children's ministry, like the hallway, and you noticed a Christmas tree, and maybe you were offended, because I get offended if I see a Christmas tree pre-Thanksgiving, all right? I know that there are people here that in October, you're already putting up your Christmas decorations. I see Maria Bailey smiling there, like she knows like she's doing that, okay? We'll talk afterwards, okay? <laughs> but in that children's ministry wing, we have a Christmas tree, and on that tree are angels. And the angel tree ministry finds needy families that connect with our local schools and find needy children and needy families, and then they partner with churches like us and businesses to fill those needs. And so each one of those little angels on the tree represents a need for a small child in our community. And here's the thing, last week we put it up for the first week, we had 165 angels on that. Do you know how many were left when I came in on Tuesday? Three. 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 That's you. That's your generosity. And here's what we, we've had to order more. So we got another 110 angels that we put on the tree that I have no doubt that the generosity in this room is going to meet that need. And so I just, that's about you guys. That's about your hearts. And that's one of the things that we want to be known as is a church that's generous. We, we want people to see our generosity and come to know the Lord because of it. And so we just celebrate those things. There are cool things that are happening. The Lord is working and moving through you. And it's really awesome just to take a step back and to celebrate those things. And so let's move from celebrating that to celebrating that God is working in the lives of people. We've got six people to baptize today. But before we take that journey and, and watch people uh, get into the tank, we want to talk about how it is that somebody gets to the place as they walk in obedience to the Father that they express baptism as a desire of their hearts. And so we're going to jump into the Gospel of Luke today in 9, chapter 9, and, and we're going to start in that. But before we do that, I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you in this room, if you were honest, would say that you're a bad driver? Anybody want to raise their hand and say that they're a bad driver? And I saw some husbands, 
And some wives, you're throwing some hands up there that this is on your own free will here. Okay, that's about right. Okay, that's about right. Here in February of 2017, uh, the American Automobile Association released a study that found this that said that 83% of American drivers believe that they are more careful than anybody else on the road. 83% of you guys think that you're better drivers than you really are, okay? Now here's the startling statistic in this. I'm gonna talk about teenagers and sorry to pick on you guys for a moment, but this is an unbelievable statistic to me. Uh, the, the, the drivers that are most confident in their driving are young adults between the ages of 16 to 18. Point, listen, point two percent believe that they are less careful than everybody else on the road. Two percent, point two percent, not even two percent, point two percent believe that they are less careful. And I know that there are some adults in this room that want to speak into that right now. I got a, a lady that was on stage, her, her son just wrecked his car just this week. So uh, that's a startling statistic. Now, here's what I would say to that. I think that that survey speaks to a delusion that we all have about ourselves, and it's not just in driving. We tend to elevate our capabilities, our knowledge, and our worth in comparison to others all the time. We tend to elevate and believe that we're better than we really are. And that's even true for us who have tragic uh, feelings of self-worth and tragic beliefs and self-esteem. Uh, maybe you don't believe in that philosophically, but in your actions it proves to be true. It would be hard not to see that in our actions. In general, we just like having our own way. We like having our own way a lot because we trust ourselves pretty much more than anybody else. We generally believe that we have this life figured out, whatever this life looks like compared to other people, more maybe so than other people. But friends, I just want to speak into that today because that's important, an important step for those who get into this tank to understand. And they've come to that understanding. Like that's deception. That's a lie. And that's the exact lie that the enemy fed to Eve in the garden that caused this whole cosmos to erupt. The enemy fed that lie to Eve that you don't need God. You got this figured out. You don't need him, he's just, he's just holding you back. And in that moment, when Eve is deceived and chooses her own way rather than God's, the whole cosmos is broken. And everything that you and I feel, taste, and see today is broken because of it. God and his creation were separated because a perfect and holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. Our God, listen, is so perfect and so holy and so righteous that he cannot be in the presence of imperfection and sin. And since that day, we have all been absent of a whole relationship with the Father. And in that absence, in that absence, that lie that was fed to Eve, that you're better than God, has become the default position of our existence. It has become the default position of our existence, that we have traded a worthwhile, 
all-encompassing, fully satisfying, perfect relationship with the Creator God in exchange that we might lift ourselves up to our own status of personal gods of our lives. Where all of our problems and issues in life, whether they be internal or external, are solved by creating better versions of ourselves or trying harder. The reality of our hearts is that they bend towards selfishness and self-preservation. And that heart leads to destruction and death. In Proverbs, Solomon, who is the wisest man who has ever lived, period, end of quote, wrote these words. In 14, he said that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Guys, if that doesn't put a little fear in us, if that doesn't cause us to pause for a second, then we've become a little callous to God's word. The word is saying that there are things that you and I believe to be right and true and noble that we follow, and it leads to death. And not like death, ugh, like kick the bucket death, like eternal death, separation from the Father. And so a place the Lord has to bring you to begin a desire for something like baptism and it to become an authentic desire of a heart and a soul that loves God is to recognize your badness and your need for restoration because you need a savior. You need a savior. This isn't about if God loves you. It is about God's love you. But look, my grandma loves me. My grandma loves me. I don't need my grandma. I've got some good stuff. I need a savior. I need a savior. This is what Jeremiah writes. Jeremiah writes in his, in, his, in his prophetic book, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The human heart and soul is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? Can you understand it? Because if you think that you can understand it, you're fooling yourselves. Uh, my wife has told me, my wife says, Steve, you tell us that we're not that good a lot. You tell us, hey Steve, you say that you're not that good a lot, and we're not that good. And that's true, I say that a lot. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason, because brokenness is fertile ground for the gospel to take root. Brokenness is the fertile ground for the gospel of Christ to take root. And one cannot become broken until they come to the end of themselves until they realize their limitations in life. And so, this is where we have to get to, to get into the tank. And look, many of us, we know this, isn't it true? We understand our badness. We hide it, but you know your, your way isn't working out for you. You know your thoughts, your emotions. You know that you don't have this all figured out, but we certainly try to pretend that we do. We try to pretend that we do and deny it, and we try to live in this hamster wheel of a life that seems right to us. Might it be time that we finally admit that we need God, that you need him more than anything and above anything because maybe you're stuck or sick and tired of doing this on your own. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 19, or Luke 9, 
In Luke 9, Jesus says these words. And he said to all, if any would would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And so God says that there is a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. And so if you want to come with me, deny yourself. Deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow after me. And in saying deny yourself, Jesus isn't talking about self-denial in the way that some of us deny ourselves from chocolate from time to time or deny ourselves from going out and having fun because we have to have an exam the next day. When Jesus talks about denial, he talks about it in only two contexts in the gospel. Denial in this Greek word for denial is only talked about two times in the gospels, number one in this instance, and number two when, G or when Peter denies Jesus in the garden, when he denies Jesus in front of men, where, where people ask him, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he says, not me, I don't know that man. That's denial. And so how would it be to deny yourself? Well, it's as though we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, I don't follow you. It is though that we look ourselves in the mirror is that, and say that I don't believe in you. You're not who I believe in. You're no longer who I stand for. Denying myself is looking in the mirror and saying, look, I know that you want to be treated well, but we're going to put on our apron today and we're going to serve. I know that you want to come first, but we're going to choose to be last today. I know that you think that we should go tell that person and give them a piece of our mind today, but that's not what Jesus would do. He would stay silent in this situation. That's a denying of yourself. And then he says to pick up your cross daily and follow me. And look, the last time I checked, people didn't pick up crosses and carry them to a party. When you pick up a cross, you carry it to your execution. The people at this time and the words that Jesus spoke in this moment knew exactly what Jesus was getting at here. They knew the imagery of crucifixion. When we pick up our cross, we carry them to our execution, and there is a littleness for some believers in the world in that, that there are people in this world that will die and be executed for their belief in Christ. But for some of us, that statement and that line of, execu of execution means something like this, that we would execute our own wills, our own agendas, and our own importance. I'm sure that the crowd around this time that Jesus is speaking these words has pretty much had it with these extreme expectations, and maybe some of them wanted to get up and leave, and maybe you want to leave at hearing those kind of expectations that Christ has for us. But then Jesus makes this statement that just is enticing. He says, if you want to save your life, you must lose it first. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And in that statement, Jesus ups the ante. He says, I, I want you. I want all of you, not just some of you. Give me all. I don't want so much of your works. 
I don't want so much of your money. I don't want so much of your time. I want you. I have not come here just to torment you and your little natural self. I came here to kill it. I don't want to just come and just cut off a few branches here and there. I want the whole tree. I'm not here just to put drill into your cavity and put a crown on your tooth. I want it out. I want you. He wants us to hand over our whole selves, all of those wicked thoughts and desires that we have, as well as the ones that we seem innocent. He wants the whole outfit. And in it, he gives us a new self in its place. And he says, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. And so when we come to a place like baptism, you have to understand that the journey that the Lord has taken these people on, that has them going under that water, is one in which they have died to self that they have recognized the end of themselves, that they have come to a place where they are saying, I want to lose my life to gain it. That when they go under that water, it's a symbolic gesture that the old self-relying, self-preserving, self-satisfying self has to go. And that me has to be left in the water. And what comes forth out of that water is a new creation with a new way and a new heart, and new desires, and all of those are determined by a Savior who isn't just somebody that we love and admire, but somebody that we need and worship. And so today, as we celebrate people coming to the end of themselves, where they have said, I can't, I just, I can't. I have tried, I have tried, I have tried, but I can't, but he can. And that's what we get to celebrate today. That's what baptism is all about. And so here's how I want to end today. I just want to lay before you an invitation that God has in this place for all of us, if we're believers in Christ or not. And that invitation is to come, is to come. If you're not a believer in Christ, he's invited you to that place to come. If you came here because a coworker or a friend invited you, or if you came here because you're celebrating somebody in your family get baptized, maybe you're here because your dad bugged you enough to get you here. That invitation is for you. I, I, what I want you to hear from me today is this, is my prayer coming into this whole weekend is that some point something would go off inside of you that said, I can't. I can't that God would click something inside of you that says, I can't, but maybe he can. That something would say, well, maybe if my way doesn't work, maybe God's way will, and that you would submit your life to Christ. And so in a few moments, uh, we're gonna celebrate what God's doing in the lives of people today. We're gonna watch some videos, we're gonna applaud, we're gonna hoot and holler, we're gonna celebrate God doing some amazing things. Uh, but I don't want those of you in here who may have been brought in here by God who have a question in your heart, a movement in your heart that says, I need to do something because my way isn't working out anymore. Uh, I don't want you to leave here today without responding to that. And so as we enter the tank and as we listen to God's authentic stories of life change in these people's lives, I want you to ponder that. 
And after our baptism, there's going to be a few songs. Our band's going to come out here, and we're going to worship. We're going to celebrate. And I want you, if that's you, to respond. There are people who are going to be up here that are going to pray for you. And listen, nobody's going to be surprised when they, you say to them, I can't. I can't do this anymore. There is nothing that you could say to somebody that's going to leave us going, <gasps> or shock us. But instead, what you will find are people that will hug your neck and be excited that you surrendered your life to Christ. And so today's a great day to celebrate people coming to the end of themselves. But it also can be the start for you. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and we thank you uh, for the fact that you rescued us. We thank you that you have brought so many of us in this room to profess your name because we have come to the end of ourselves, that we have surrendered our will and our way to you, Lord, that we recognize that we can't, but you can, that our efforts are futile. They are futile, Lord, and worthless. We cannot fix a spiritual issue with human means. And so, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts today that in some people you might give them and birth the idea and realization that they too can't, but you can. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in your great name. and your son, we pray all these things. Amen. I've been coming to church for a long time with my grandma, but then when I got out of upstairs, I was afraid to go downstairs because I didn't know if I was going to be accepted because I get nervous about stuff like that. So I was really happy to know that I had friends going with me. And then my sister has helped me through a lot of stuff because she was baptized April. And she was explaining to me like what baptism is and what it was to her. And she was like helping me understand what it was and what it meant to me. On Wednesday nights when I'm with Terry and Amy, we usually talk about like school impacts and how it's hard and what we can do to to help it because you can't really ever fix it. But usually, like, they'll talk to every one of us and ask us for prayer requests and we'll always have, like, something that relates to family or school or one of our friends that couldn't be at church because of a family member being sick. I want to be baptized because I'm taking a step and showing people that I want to be baptized, but not for other people, but for myself, because I believe He's here, and I believe that He died on the cross for my sins, to take them away and to heal my heart. Coral, baptism is a special moment in your life and an opportunity to share your faith in Christ with others. Baptism doesn't magically transform your life, but it does say you belong to Jesus and shows you are obeying his command. Coral, your family is so proud of the young woman you are becoming. You try your best in every situation and it shows in your life. Your science teacher recently gave you an award that says you have a great work ethic, integrity, and a kind heart. That describes you to a T. So based on your testimony, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
<coughs> Laura is a light that shines so bright. She is an encourager who is not afraid to speak her mind. There's never been a time she was afraid to talk to anyone about God or her beliefs. She is here today to prove to everyone how much she loves God and to show she is on a journey to only love him more. With this testimony, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ever since I started going here, I've been having really good relationships um, with Joy and Kelly and other people in the church, and I'm really thankful for it. And they've been there for me. I've been going through a lot, and like with losing my dad and everything, and they've been there for me. It's been also helping me too, not be feel so depressed and not so alone. <laughs> And I love it. The reason why I need Christ is because, well, I need him as soon as I wake up. You know, he's the reason why I get up with a smile on my face. To me, every time someone smiles at me, or that's something coming from the Lord. Anything good in my life is coming from the Lord, and I know it. And I'm very thankful for it. And sometimes when I start to get down, I'm like, Think about that one thing today that the Lord has done for you, even if it's a smile. And I'm very thankful for it because it helps me. <laughs> then I'll start laughing. So my mom, sometimes my mom looks at me funny, like, what are you laughing at? <laughs> it's like, I'm just thankful for the Lord. <laughs> He's helping me. <laughs> I believe that Christ has done with my sin is he cleaned it. But still, I'm a sinner. He died for me on the cross so I can go to heaven and so I can have a wonderful relationship with him that I have now. I want to be baptized because I want to show um, the community that I'm ready to be in a relationship with the church and the Lord. And also, I'm being obedient to um, Jesus, because I feel like he's saying, okay, it's time for you now to be baptized. And I'm excited to do this with the church because now I'm saying that they're my family too. Amanda, it has been such an honor to be your friend and walk with you this last couple years. I have seen you grow so much in your faith. And just with joy in your heart for the Lord, it is contagious. And I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you today. And based on your testimony, it is my honor to get to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
All right, everybody, this is Susan. And you know, Susan has been on a journey over these last few months, and this has been exciting. Last, uh, last week, um, I married her, and he, here's the cool part. Uh, George and Susan had been in a relationship for a long time, and uh, they came up to me and said, hey, look, we have been living together. We know that we're not honoring God, and we want to make it right. And so last week, we married them, and... <laughs> They are. <laughs> and then she says to me, like, I want people to know that Jesus is my guy, and I want to live for him, and so we are going to baptize her today. She is a believer, and this is a step of obedience that she believes she needs to take. So, Susan, based upon your testimony, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Awesome. This is Becky, and <laughs> Becky is um, very dear to my heart. There was some unfortunate scenarios that happened that brought her back from her beloved state of Florida, and we believe those circumstances, as difficult as they were, to be divine, because Becky came to work for us in a capacity at YFC, and she blossomed in her love for the Lord. And I got to connect with her and Tony got to connect with her. And it's just been fun to watch this lady who's like a grandma to me, <laughs> to commit her life to the Lord and just to pursue him and open up to people and be vulnerable. And, and it's just an honor to be part of this. And so we're excited about today that we, because of your testimony, get to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Don't drop me. Okay, we won't drop you. <laughs> I realized that my whole life I've just kind of I realized that my whole life I've just kind of been missing it. And that's not, God isn't there to just help you out when you're, when you're down in the dumps or whatever. It's like God offers so much more to your life. And when you experience that relationship with God, I don't think, if you truly experience that, like I couldn't resist knowing, I wanted to know more and I wanted to, I wanted to remove anything in my life that stood in, in between me and God. Because once I 
experienced an inch of that relationship. I wanted a mile and I wanted more than that. And that has been the transformation in my life is just going from knowing of God to knowing God personally. What Jesus did for me is he was enough so that I don't have to be. And that's that was huge for me to realize in my life, just given that I've always been the type of person who just strives for perfectionism and I've always depended on my own abilities. So for me to be able to breathe a sigh of relief and know that, no, Carly, I, I always wanted to hear, Carly, you are enough, you're, you're great, you are enough. And then finally, the first time someone said to me, no, Carly, you're not enough, it was like that was when I could breathe a huge sigh of relief and just go, oh good, I'm, and I'm not supposed to be. I was never supposed to be enough. So what God did for me is Him dying on the cross and he, Him coming to earth as a human, I think is the coolest thing ever because um, in, that, in the context of that culture, they understood sacrifices so much. And that's just things that I've learned about in my um, like theology classes and Old Testament classes and New Testament is that He works in people's lives right where they're at. So at that time period and the way that they understood sacrifices is that He sent His Son as a human and then He died for our sins so that we don't have to rely on our, our own abilities throughout our lives and that we reach out to Him and that we're not self-sufficient. And for me to realize that um, was the first time I realized what God actually did for me. I've always wanted to get baptized, but I've always put it off because I was like, I'm not good enough. I need to be to a certain level before I can consider baptism. And then this year, I 100% came to the end of myself and I was like, I've never wanted to get baptized because I thought I wasn't good enough. And now I know I'm not good enough and I wasn't meant to be because Jesus is. He is good enough for me so that I don't have to be. And it was honestly in a relationship with um, a woman from my school. I just, I've never really been mentored before. So being able to, to tell someone all my convictions and all of my thoughts, all of the decisions I've regretted, all of my life through and through, I just realized that, and then getting to know God's character, that's not how He works. You don't have to be good enough. Uh, he just wants me, no matter if I've made mistakes or if I haven't. Um, I just know now that He just desires me where I'm at in life. So coming back to just, I know that now because I know God's character. I would say um, to the people out there who feel stuck, Maybe that's anxiety or depression, both of which I've had a big experience with in my own life, especially over the past year. And I always felt like it took too much work to go to God, like I couldn't make that first step. But And it took me um, feeling like I had no other place to turn in order to make that first step towards God. But I would just say that you it's up to you when you make that first step. And the first step is the hardest. And after that, I feel like when you make that first step towards God, He's just, He's He's lending you a hand. You don't have to do this life on your own. Um, looking back, I wish I would have reached out to God way sooner because doing life on your own is exhausting. And it's and if we have another choice, um, yeah, go to God. Uh, don't don't wait because there's so much waiting for you on the other side. Like that, you just put that on repeat every day, and you would do all right to hear, like, what an incredible journey. I've known this little girl since she was a freshman and watched you journey in those somewhat awkward high school <laughs> days, right? 
And I knew that you loved the Lord, but you would say that I wasn't owning it, that I was living off mom and dad's faith. And here's what the Lord does. He does bring us to the end of ourselves. And there were some things that happened with Carly when she was a freshman at college that rocked you to your foundation. And what the Lord does, if we allow him, is to take us from that broken basement and build us into something beautiful. And you've always been beautiful, but it's in here now. And uh, we just celebrate what the Lord is doing in your life, and I'm so proud of you. I know your parents are proud of you and your family are proud of you, but this is it's a cool day to celebrate with you. And so it's because of your testimony that we get to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are going to enter into a time where we just praise God for what he's doing. We're going to sing some songs. The people who got baptized are getting dressed. And then at the end of those songs, we're going to gather around them and we're going to pray over them that God would bless them in the next seasons in their lives. And so again, if, if you need to come to the end of yourself, know that our prayer team is here to receive you. <laughs> 